Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consider the situation where the Bruins theoretically did stick with Dan Vladar and Jeremy Swayman, which their hands were tied. It's not a realistic situation. If they had done that, and imagine things weren't going well for them right now, we would I think be about what savers. that conversation would be like if we were like, we took two, we could have spent that $20 million on somebody like Linus Omar or, you know, or whoever. That conversation, I think, would be so much more volatile and 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 much more damning on Bruins management if they had opted to go with two young goalies with this core still intact. And imagine if we were wasting the end of the Bergeron core on two young goalies and they didn't perform well. Boy, is you would essentially be telling Patrice Bergeron, hey, you know what, at the end of the season, you can just leave like, one. And Don Sweeney would have to no fire one would be prepared for that. <laughs> it would be bizarre. So... everybody welcome back in it's the podcast of brews and bruins in the hockey podcast network podcast presented by bruins diehard sponsored by DraftKings, a drinkable podcast you can taste a hard listen according to drew's dad number 116 in australia number 114 in norway number 19 in brazil number five in argentina and of course number one in your hearts my name is cam hasbrick joined as per usual by chris gear Drew is not with us tonight because he is, of course, waiting for you in the back of your car. But to replace him, we do have the usual bullpen, Nick Lanciani and Jess Belmosto. How is everybody doing tonight? Feeling the vibes. Yeah, cold. Cold. Well, that's good. I have the perfect beer for that, but I don't want to jump right to that yet. Chris, how are you? I know you had a little bit of a rough drive home tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Seems like someone was trying to jump off the bridge, I guess. I looked it up on, on the Twitters and... Oh, that seems to be the thing. Uh, Seems like no one did. Thank that's good. Thankfully. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's the those are the perils of working on a on an island where, uh, you know, sometimes randomly at 530 in the evening, uh, you'll just get stuck in gridlock traffic and have no way of getting home. So. Yeah, uh, uh, especially so- the, the the day I commuted from Arizona to work today. So, yeah. oh. drive. Uh, yeah, Chris has said potential motorcycle crash, which isn't that much better, but didn't didn't realize it was it was that either. So that's yeah. Sorry to throw you on the spot there, but uh, how was your trip to Arizona? You're of course seeing uh, someone you follow on Twitter, uh, someone who was appeared on the pod before, guest of the pod. Yeah, I was uh, I was hanging out with. Um, best friend of the pod, Isabel, and mother. Um, it was a good time. Real, real good hangs. 
Um, Autonomous human being. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I it's it's been kind of on and off whether I I feel like driving or flying, um, and the drives have been pretty good vibes recently. So, I, how I long of a drive is it? It's like five hours if you include like necessary time to stop for gas and or food. Okay, all right. Um, so yeah, it's not too bad, and. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing is leaving work on Friday and just going straight from work and bless your heart then taking a half day on Monday so that I kind of get to, you know, enjoy three nights, I guess. Uh, what I don't know how many nights that is or whatever. Not, not yeah, it's three, three nights for four days, like parts of four days. So, you know. Get get some good quality time in. Watch a bunch of movies. Uh, we did some. Uh, one of Cat's friends took some family photos of us in the desert. So uh-huh. excited to see those come out. I always um, appreciate the uh, the Izzy snaps. Always. Good. Oh yeah, those are Do always top tier. Yeah, be careful offering her your phone. She'll just grab it and take it. <laughs> That's just a good rule for children in general. Just <laughs> be careful offering them anything really, but especially. She- electronic devices so she showed remarkable uh restraint i i gave her my phone and she just sent a bunch of snaps to cat i told her she could send them to anybody on the on the recent list and so you guys missed out on a few good ones because she just sent them to her mom well Um, understandable i guess is it because she's five and can't read oh she reads at like a fifth grade level of course she does of course (laughs) Is that wasn't like a knock at you? I'm sorry if you're listening. I just, yeah. I just remember not being out. very smart at five. Oh, that's good. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know about Arizona, but up here in Maine, it is definitely getting cold. And uh, to celebrate that, I have picked up an Ice Storm of '98 New England IPA from Baxter Brewing Company. Uh, really like Baxter. I'm trying to think of what they have, whatever their main IPA is. Uh, I think it's the Coastal Haze. I get a lot when I'm out to drink when it's on tap. Uh, one of my favorite IPAs. This one, I don't like quite as much, but it is pretty good. This is my first time trying it today. It is about 5.8%, so kind of in that middle range when it comes to IPAs. Uh, described as a lush malt profile with dynamic citrus fruit forward hop profile. New England IPA is brewed to get us through any winter. Um, that, of course, being named after the great ice storm of 98, which I think knocked out power here in Maine for like 700,000 people, which is like pretty much everyone in Maine. Um, wow. Yeah. So here we go. We'll give it a, give it a little sip. Uh, on the bitter side, it's it's described as fruit forward, but I don't get that much of a fruit or citrusy. It's kind of just a a kind of generic bitter IPA. Um, not terribly strong. Drinkability, I'd say, probably pretty good for an IPA. Uh, tastes sort of just like a like a regular pale ale. I'm going to put it like a 28 for drinkability. Taste on the lower side, especially for an IPA, I'd give it like a 15. Uh, pretty smooth, a little refreshing. Um, I think next time I'll probably go back to the, the trusty Coastal Haze, but not a bad go-to and. Uh, drinking it cold always helps in honor of the of the ice storm. So there you go, Baxter Brewing. Check them out if you're in if you're in Portland. It's a good time. Uh, who wants to go next? Any volunteer? I know Lancey was excited to have some beer on tonight. So Lancey, what you got? Anything <laughs> special for us? 
Well, I've got my usual. That is Cold <laughs> Harbor Brewing Company Novocaine. It's a double IPA, 8%, which oh, is, God. you know, perfect at this time of night. It is. And Sticking uh, with the cold theme, too. I like that. Well, yeah. So I was going to say, I'm in the Cold Harbor cold room because I'm in the room above the garage. And this time of year, it's very cold. So this Classic beer will not above the garage room being cold. How is it, Lancey? Tell us about it. 37s all around. <laughs> very unique. I, has never given that answer before, so that's good. For a very short period of time before the pandemic started, I would go to trivia night and have between two and three of these. And um, dangerous. Well, that's yeah. you're living on the edge. I love trivia night. Trivia night lasted many hours, and I ate oh, dinner okay. with it. So many hours by what the end of it. Yeah, what, what kind it? of trivia is this? Yeah, <laughs> I've been I good. Two or three, maybe four hours. I don't know. What? I've experienced yeah. both ends of the spectrum on trivia. So the one that I've recently been going to, uh, I, we started going back maybe like a couple months ago. And that one's like an hour and a half. Um, they swapped out uh, paper and pencil for doing it on the phone. And it's kind of like bang, bang, get you through move, it. Though. This um, was always a whiteboard. Yeah, not a not a lot of not a lot of time between questions, not a lot of time between rounds or anything like that. Um, the one that I used to go to back in my hometown was basically like crowded bar trivia was like the reason why people were there, but also it was kind of like a background activity. It'd be like each question you get like five minutes to like talk about it. And obviously you answer it in like the first 30 seconds and the rest of the time you're just chilling and talking with your friends. And I like both of those. And I think that's a pretty good business model for getting people to stick around and spend a lot of money. Yeah. I kind of like the in-between where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you get like a couple rounds and it's like maybe 10 questions per round that'll take like 10 to 15 minutes. And then you get like 15 or 20 off to submit your answers. And, you know, maybe like a side round. I went to one uh, here in Maine that they do every week where like, I think it's three or four rounds of like 10 questions each. Uh, and then they have like a drawing round and pretty much they just have like, you know, a little notepad that you, you draw something on. And it's pretty much just whoever can make the guy laugh wins like an extra prize. Uh, also a really big fan of music rounds. Always, always. A fun yes. one, so Oh, that yeah. was my specialty because my friends apparently never heard of like Pink Floyd and stuff, which was shocking to me. Get some new friends, Lancey. Yeah. Right. I was like, Lucky Johnny, Drew's not here to hear down. that. Because he's waiting in the back of your car for you, of course. But yeah, keep an eye. Oh, speaking of Drew, oh god, just message the group chat and said, "With you in spirit." Oh, there you go. Here's he's drinking a beer. Oh well, yeah. Drew's got a town musicians, which looks awesome. Actually, I really like that can. Uh, I'll ask him. Let me type out uh, drinkability. Right. We'll ask him question mark. Yeah, live. Live Q and A. Yeah, we'll get back to you with uh, with Drew's beer review here. But uh, Chris, what you got? There? This is a, a new segment called "In Your DMs" with Drews and Brewers. I believe this is an historic uh, event on this podcast. Um, I don't think I've ever had a cider on this podcast. Um, not that I'm averse to them or anything. I just uh, I bought a lot of beer during the pandemic and still still getting through it. Um, but this is a cider that my old roommate who no longer lives with us left in the back of our fridge. And I was just getting tired of looking at it without drinking it. Um, 
it's a two towns cider house bright cider um it's six percent it's i say it's on the bright side oregon there yeah it says corvallis oregon uh yeah nice (laughs) you're welcome um yeah boldly crafted in oregon it says i don't know what's bold about about it but um radiant and balanced bright cider shines with newtown pippin apples the pioneer variety that defined the cider palette of the northwest um i will say so i'm i'm pretty picky about ciders i don't i don't like too sweet um but also if it's just like super kicky in the face dry like that's not my favorite either so i mean it describes itself as pretty balanced and i would i would agree with that it's definitely not too sweet. It doesn't taste like straight up apple juice, but it definitely has a little bit of that flavor to it. I would say it reminds me a lot of drinking just like a casual beer that you might uh, not like a not necessarily a light beer, maybe more like a bud heavy kind of flavor to it. But obviously you get the apples as well. So I give it, you know, tasteability. It's not super high. It's like you can taste it in the aftertaste kind of realm, but it's not very forward. Um, so I go 12 tasteability. Give it a little uh, Gregory Smith action. And then uh, drinkability, I'm already like halfway through it. So I'm going to give it like a 34. Awesome. And Jesse, you breaking out anything tonight or no? Yeah, I have a truly because I haven't gone to the to the store recently. The um, yeah, I haven't gone to the packy. Um, they also don't call it call a packy here, <laughs> which that, is really yeah. weird. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, like I gotta go to the packy, and Bradley's like, what? Yeah, the first time Drew said that on the podcast, I was like, Drew, what the fuck are you talking about? I thought it was like a Druism, and then I found out it was no. a real thing. So it's it's, it's like, like going to a Rhode I Island think pretty much exclusively. Like a Massachusetts, mm-hmm. like Rhode Island thing, because yeah. it's definitely you hear it in Western Massachusetts, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's the dominant term for it. I think most people just say going to the liquor store, but but maybe not. You for sure hear it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I've never heard it anywhere outside. Um, I, I like, heard it in Rhode Island, but I feel like Pat may have dropped it once. Pat in Rhode Island, of course. Mm. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we do have an update from Drew on his off-color brewing town musicians. This is a Vienna malt profile balanced mostly by a round ethanol warmth and dark stone fruit esters in a traditional German lager, perfect for days with cold mornings and warm afternoons. That is from the website. That is not from Drew. Drew, Drew certainly. So that's way too many words. <laughs> uh, Vienna and Munich hops, Magnum and Herzbrucker or sorry, Vienna and Munich malts, Magnum and Herzbrucker hops, 6.5% alcohol by volume. It says the secret fact is it becomes a Ellis Bach on June 1st. Uh, Drew describes it as a heavier Budweiser, but it's good. I don't know if that's implying that Budweiser isn't good or just comparing it to generic <laughs> beer. Uh, he has to add that side note. Anyway, 25 two, two straight uh, or Two drinks on this pod compared to i know that's why i saw him dm that right after you said that too so that's why i was like wow that's weird uh now you guys are in each other's head which is terrifying for you chris i'm sorry about that yeah i don't like tapped into the stream yeah 25 taste 13 drinkability 
for the town musicians from Off Color Brewing. Uh, so there you go. We'll pivot a little bit here and talk about some hockey. Yeah, 15 um, minutes in, we should probably get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit of that. Uh, I figured we'd start with a real quick weekend recap. Um, you can skip ahead a minute and a half if you don't want to listen to that. Uh, 5-2 win for the Bruins against the Flyers on Saturday after uh, about a year and a half off between games. Uh, better than expected. This this weekend was weird because it felt to me like the games should have been flip-flopped. Like the Bruins looked really rusty during their 4 nothing loss to the Flames on Sunday. They looked pretty good and not rusty on Saturday during their 5-2 to win over the Flyers. I did put it on Twitter in case anybody listened to Locked on Flames. I did successfully call the shutout on you Sunday's did. game. I may have gotten the wrong team, but, you know, you're welcome for that one, Jess. I know Nesson uh, at the start of the Flames game posted a thing about how good the Bruins' secondary scoring had been over the last few games, uh, which seems like a, a classic commentator's curse because they got jack shit from anyone during that Flames game. Uh, Jess, you were there. How how was the vibe at TD Garden as the Bruins got their shit rocked by your Flames? I was the only one having fun. <laughs> and I had a blast. Not too many people from Calgary in Boston. at this Shouts um, to Blasty. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I did see Johnny Gaudreau's dad, but I wasn't going to interrupt him because he was in line for the bathroom and I wasn't going to be like, oh my God, your son is like fantastic. Kind of um, good at hockey. <laughs> kind of good. Um, but no, there were actually a surprising amount of Sean Monahan jerseys. And I expected to see some Dougie Hamilton and like Noah Hannafin um, because of the Boston connection. But no, Noah Hannafin jerseys. I mean, Sean Monaghan jerseys. Um, a lot of them. But honestly, the Bruins just kind of <laughs> didn't look too great. It was not Swayman's fault at all by any means. He was left out to dry by his defense, which seems to be the never-ending story for Boston goaltenders. But... They were playing a very physical game. I don't know. I think Nick Felino better watch his back. Um, he's get he's getting a little too comfy. In the first period, he was I forget who it was, but he was um, definitely should have been called for holding, and I, it might have it definitely wasn't on Chris Tanev, but he was he was getting a little too up close and personal for a little too long, a little not so socially distanced. And, uh, you know, I think that, I, I don't know, the Flames just outplayed them, plain and simple. It wasn't, I don't know where the Bruins' offense was. I know that Jake DeBrusque had quite a few shots on goal, which was nice to see. And, <laughs> of course, I was like, oh, like, Jake, like, I want you to score, because I know that people on Twitter will love to see it. But, like, oh, it's a shame you didn't score and got Vladar the shutout. But... You know, just uh, got to bounce back in six months whenever their next game is and um, try again. Yeah, uh, I maybe I jumped the gun a little bit saying that the games were flipped. I mean, the, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Bruins were rusty Saturday, but uh, they definitely looked like a team that is not used to playing back-to-backs at this point. Uh, can't really blame them based on the schedule, uh, but they definitely did not look like they had much in the tank Sunday. 
Um, and yeah, it was a pretty, pretty good shellacking for Calgary. Like you just mentioned, Dan Vladar gets the shutout his second of the season. Second. I believe that was right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 157 goals against 945 in five games were him so far with a four on one record. Of course, this is Boston, so we overreact to everything. Not we, but certain <laughs> yeah, not circles, us for sure. Certain not circles us. of ruins. Never, Twitter. never yeah, SB highbrow that. over here, and I push my glasses up my face so you can't see. <laughs> uh, of course, there's goalie controversy because everybody's been pretty happy with Jeremy Swayman, but he loses to his old kind of goalie partner, I, more like goalie competitor Dan Vladar. His main competition. Of yeah. course, uh, those two were. Tabbed to be potential Bruins goalies of the future as they were working their way up. I don't really, really want to say through the minors because Swayman barely <laughs> touched the minors and, and Vladar really didn't touch the AHL for that long. Swayman uh, through the minor. Um, yeah, the Vladar, on all those. <laughs> and Vladar, for those of you who, who maybe don't remember or weren't as into it, I guess a year ago, really, at this point, was thought by many to be the more NHL-ready goaltender. And then, of course, Jeremy Swayman came in and stood on his head at the end of last season. Granted, small sample size, and the Bruins were confident enough in Swayman that they dealt to wave Ladar. Uh, so naturally, this is going to be a storyline, seeing those two go against each other. It's one game. Ladar did look great. All the credit to him. Uh, Swayman probably got a little shellacked more than... Uh, the scoreline, or I guess rather less than the scoreline would would show um, that was it the third or fourth goal where he stopped the breakaway, stopped the secondhand chance, and then got a piece of the third one, and then they scored uh, while also the Bruins were on the power play, and Patrice Bergeron was on the ice, which is a thing that I never, ever in a million years thought I was going to see. Um, yeah, but I yeah, know. I mean, naturally a, a little bit of conversation on Twitter and, and elsewhere, I'm sure on sports radio, but I, for I life, wouldn't would never turn you that shit on. You me to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 oh God, I don't want to like knock on anybody, but there's a couple shows here in Portland that I like put on once in a while on the way to work. And I just have to turn them off like three minutes later. I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that is not it. Um, also, I don't know if you guys could tell on TV. Sorry to interrupt. Cam. No, keep continue. The, I don't know what it was like obviously ice is slippery duh but like it takes yeah i like i'm just Hot takes I'm, on a cold rink i'm just throwing it out there that the ice quality did not look great like they were falling all over is each it other because of the trains <laughs> uh the tv garden notorious for its kind of shitty ice quality yeah. um more so later in the year when it starts to get warm and, and more humid um, but now that I think of it, it was probably close to 60 when I, okay, maybe that's a lie, but it was like 55 yesterday. So, I mean, I know it's not that warm and that's not like playoff weather where like, oh crap, the ice is going to be a slush. It's going to be water and then water yeah. polo hockey, underwater hockey. Exactly. Cool sport. Which does exist. Fun yeah, fact. it looks crazy. Well, you got to really have some great stamina there. I believe it's called like Octo Push or whatever. Officially, it's amazing. I don't know, yeah, but it looks crazy. Uh, anybody have any hot takes on Vladar and Swayman, or are we all kind of in the in the pool that it's it's time to calm the fuck down? And it was one game. Well, it was one so game. that's that's exactly what I was going to present as uh, as a hot take, which is a not hot take at all because. In terms of goalie development, Vladar is obviously a little bit further ahead. He's two years older, so he should be, if he's going to be a backup at, at least and perhaps a starter, he should be where he's at currently. Swayman is 22, and he's played a grand total of 
Guess how many games in Providence? Was it like eight? Nine. Really close. Nine. Nine. Fladar had been there for about five parts of five seasons total. And he had done some time in the ECHL. He'd done a little time over in Czech in the Czech Republic as a result of the 56 game schedule last year. He did a little warm up and then came over here. And, you know, it's it's about what I expect. As I've said, it if people want to start saying, like, oh, well, this you know brings up memories of when they had Malcolm Subban and then you know he got claimed off waivers by Vegas for nothing. Okay, and How's and he doing like, now? Yeah. They're lighting up the AHL. <laughs> he hasn't done that hot. You might think of back in the day when they had Michael Hutchinson as the up-and-coming goaltender in Providence. And it was always Hutchinson. You know, he could be he could be the guy. He could be the guy. It's it's another year. But another year out, another year out, another year out. And then finally, Winnipeg's a team that comes along and is like, yeah, we'll sign free agency or whatever. He played as a backup, and he beat the Bruins. They couldn't beat the guy that they had the book on because they taught him the book. And nowadays, what's Michael Hutchinson up to? You know, he's he's about the I don't know. So this is what happens. And historically, it's a thing that's come back to bite the Bruins many times over. I'm sure the diehard fans from the 1970s will remember Ken Dryden being drafted by the Bruins, going to Cornell, and then signing with Montreal because the Bruins were like, yeah. We got this Cheevers guy. We don't really need to do that much with any other goaltender. Oh, what? What do you mean that Montreal just beat us in the Stanley Cup final in 1971 with a rookie goaltender? What? And then, of course, you know, there's Bernie Perrant, if you want to talk about him. Two seasons with Boston. One season, especially as kind of the de facto starter. The other one where it was like, yeah, maybe, you know, I don't know if he'll actually work out here. And then he goes on to have quite the successful career with Philadelphia in two stints because he had a couple of years with Toronto in between. And, um, you know, Ladar could be like the modern day Bernie Perron, or maybe that doesn't turn out to be the way that turns out to be. In any case, it's, it's good for him. You know, he's, he's right about where you should be in terms of what prime goalie age looks like. He's 24. He might be a couple of years ahead of it because I typically think anyone between 27 and 35 is in that prime goaltender age. But if you're 24, 25, 26, you should really start to be in a backup position somewhere. And there's only so many of these jobs available at the NHL level, which just harkens back to last season. You had Rask, Halak, Vladar, Swayman, Kaiser battling for all these positions. And now, of course, you know, Tuka's out because of the injury they had. Halak went to Vancouver because he didn't really look as good. I mean, Swayman came in, beat him for the backup job. So going into this season, you had two options. You could roll with Swayman and Vladar and be on thin ice. If anything goes wrong, what what do you have left? Or you could have signed Linus Elmark or anyone else and have that sort of companionship with Swayman, who at that point had earned the right to kind of usurp Dan Vladar in the depth chart, despite the fact that they played similarly last season. Mm-hmm. Swayman, of course, in 10 games had a 1.5 goals against average and a 9.45 save percentage, two shutouts in that span. A little unsustainable, but great first impression. Vladar, in five games played, had a 3.4 goals against average and an 8.86 save percentage. But if you remember... The last game he played in a Bruins uniform, he allowed eight goals against the Washington Capitals when a ton of guys were injured on April 11th, 2021. 
So entering that day, he had a 2.25 goals against average and a 922 save percentage. You're looking at virtually the same goaltender for their age range, and you can't go wrong with either one. That's a lot of goals. <laughs> that's just my main takeaway there. Because yeah, I, am, I, I had no black silver, but I do out. think you don't want to do that as a goalie. Yeah, yeah a lot I'm, of people try to forget that game, and and you should. That's one of those that you just throw yeah. it away because I, I think it was it probably on is that the second one? game of a back to back, and everyone was hurt. And it was a matinee. It was the perfect storm in terms of this is the worst thing possible, and and that people want to complain about the schedule between... this week, which. It makes sense. I understand where you're coming from, but also if, if you factor in Celtics games, any concerts, events, that sort of thing, you start to see that the NHL schedule isn't the only thing that exists in the world. And so building availability at mean? times can be pretty limited. You mean we should go outside and touch some grass? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying everyone should calm down at the very least. It's still yeah. November. This so... team is not a Stanley Cup contender, but they might surprise you one way or another. When it comes to goalie evaluation, I like to defer to uh, anybody who has actual expertise on the subject and not somebody who, being like, the like me who just watches uh, goalies and goes, oh, what a sick save without any sort of context as to like how one achieves that uh, superhuman ability to make saves like that. Um, so I'll, I'll usually consult a frequent listener of the podcast, uh, Kat Silverman. Um, I believe one of the times we had her on, um, during that, uh, Vladar run where I was kind of getting maybe a little too excited about him, um, you know, cause Swayman was playing really well and he was kind of the top prospect guy. And I, I had kind of been saying, well, I mean, look at what Vladar's doing. Like he's, he obviously, he, he came in under really difficult circumstances in the playoffs against the lightning and got utterly exposed oh that's um that's that was a lot of fun and then i think everybody kind of cooled on him after that um but he did come in and and even though he wasn't playing quite as well as swayman was or at least wasn't putting up the the same numbers but as you mentioned Lindsay, he was he was doing quite well he was uh, yeah. he was putting up some good numbers and giving some solid starts and uh, i was kind of saying hey like pump the brakes like this guy kind of has uh a little bit of a pedigree he has a really good he has some really good ahl seasons under his belt um maybe before we cast him aside for jeremy swayman we should start thinking like hey this could be a pretty good tandem going forward and uh it was good to have cat on talking about how you know she doesn't really like his mechanics and um and you know a lot of guys can thrive in the ahl and not necessarily have it translate to the nhl exactly um and so, I mean, it, it at the time, a third round pick for him seemed like a pretty reasonable thing. And I, I think, you know, time will tell whether that's a, a bad trade or not. But at the same time, as Kat also said on the on the last episode, um, you know, you weren't and what you said as well, Lancey, like you're not going to go into a season with Vladar and Swayman as your goalie tandem because that's just an insane amount of risk um i think what if it's a rebuild the, the yeah i mean there there are a couple of teams that come to mind when saying just like going into a season with two goalies and not knowing what's going to happen um and and i think the the blue jackets with uh corpus Salo and merz a couple of years back uh both those guys were just 
total unknowns. And then uh, last year with uh, Colin Delia and, and Kevin Lankin and um, just no idea what either of those guys are going to give you for the Blackhawks. And I mean, in both cases, uh, somebody kind of emerged as the starter, but also in both cases, I kind of feel like now you, you look at it and no one, it really is. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you're going to base anything off of small sample size, uh, when looking at goaltenders, I think that's just kind of a, a recipe for disaster. And even yeah. if you want to take it one step further and just look at beyond just last season, I mean, Swayman in three years with the main Black Bears, he had a 272 goal against average, a 921 save percentage in 31 games in 2017 18. He had a 277, 919 in 35 games in 18 19, 207, 939 in 2019 20, and 34 games played. Of course, he went on to win awards for that because. Turns out ballet class tends to help with balance and all these other things. Uh, that, that was a really fun he's beauty to, and he's great to, to check out if, if you haven't seen it. He also played one year in the USHL and he had a 290 and a 914 in 32 games played. Now we can talk about the, the compete level, the competition at each level of progression in his career. USHL, you can be kind of wild and crazy with your goaltending stats. It doesn't really matter. College hockey and ECHL and, and beyond, that's when you really want to settle in to something at least that's consistent or constantly improving. And he was consistent and improving in every facet. You compare that with Vladar and you look at what he did. And it's a little bit more convoluted. With Chicago in the USHL in 2015-16, 30 games played, he went 12-12-4, and four, had a 231 goals against average, and three shutouts. Cool. But keep in mind, junior leagues are 16 to 20 year olds. So, okay, let's see some real competition against professionals in Providence in 2016-17. He went eight games, 262, 9-21. Not bad as someone that might be a Providence backup. But then the, the Bruins organizationally decided, you know, let's just send him to Atlanta because we have a plethora of guys and not off positions. So in 18 games with the Atlanta Gladiators in the ECHL, he had 389 goals against average and 887 save percentage in 18 games, as I just stated. Uh, when Whenever you want to talk about ECHL stats as a goaltender, I often think, okay, well, what's the level of goaltending coaching that they're receiving, if any? And the unpredictability overall of the, the pace of the game and just defense in general. But I know, I mean, when I talk about game pace, you see it all the time. There'll be something that goes viral on Twitter because there are like 10 fights. And that can be very hard for a goaltender to get a rhythm going in terms of like, all right, I'm making saves. It's all becoming a routine and everything. I don't know how often that happened for Atlanta in the 2016-17 season, but it, it can affect you as, as especially as you're a young goaltender. And then, of course, the following year in 2017-18, four games with Providence, a 2.23 and 924 save percentage. 41 games with Atlanta, a 296 and a 9.11 save percentage. Don't be too concerned with the goals against the average. Look at that save percentage and say, yeah, it's an improvement. That's good. Don't ever be too concerned with the goals against average unless it comes along with a really bad save percentage. As stated on Locked on Flames when we were all on that, I, I talked about Jacob Markstrom being yes. the quality goaltender for Calgary that they need currently. He might end up with a 277 goals against average at the end of the season. Right now, he has a sub two, which is great. 
because he's a guy that makes a lot of saves on a lot of shots against with or without a good defense. So Calgary is just loving life right now. And, and Boston, you know, they, they got some room to grow. It It's going to happen in the post Tuka era. Now that's fully acknowledging that Tuka could come back this season and uh, that next season you might be without him entirely. Yeah, and then, of course, there's a few other seasons in Providence and one more in Atlanta. But again, he, Dan Vladar to me is like the Riley Smith of goaltenders. Riley Smith, of course, is a skater. He's a forward. One year will be great. The next year will be kind of average. The following year will be great. The next year will be kind of average. He He's done that, Vladar in this case. He's done that at the minor league level. Now he's at the NHL level. He can stay as a backup. But how good of a starter can he become? And when you look at that from an organizational perspective, Swayman is your eventual starter for the Bruins, which is why they traded Vladar. Mm-hmm. I think just kind of to, to wrap it up, I think the argument that I've been seeing slash hearing is, oh, the Bruins committed $20 million to Linus Olmark over the next four years. They could have spent that, spent that money elsewhere and kept these two young goalies who are look great so far, which – in high, I don't even want to say in hindsight because we're not in hindsight. This is, you know, we're we're a couple weeks into the season. We're only here. four games into the season. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a ridiculous argument, especially, to make, and especially when you're basing it off of one game when these two are playing against each other. From a from that perspective, you know, the idea is, oh, the Bruins could have not spent that money on Olmark, and they could have bought a second line center to replace David Krejci. And everything would be fine in the world. And then the, those Vladar and Swayman would carry the Bruins to victory until Tuga Ras came back. And then they would all sing and dance and sing Kumbaya and win a Stanley Cup. It's just but not outside realistic. of Philip Daniel and Jaden Schwartz, who so would have been that's the, the exact line name I was going to say. Philip Daniel would have been the guy. But the thing that people forget is that it requires an agreement on the side of the player who wants to sign with a team. Like, you mean you this? can't force them yeah, this to isn't, put that pen to paper? This isn't chill. You can't just uh, <laughs> you can't just outbid everybody. NHL two K six. I turned off the salary cap. <laughs> yeah. thing. But who's? How are the Bruins going to put together a better offer? Not only in terms of you know money and term, but also in terms of quality of life and whatnot from the Kings and, and also fits the player. Yeah. And, and also you look at the Kings as a, that's a team where they have a lot of really good young players in place. And that could be a, a team where, you know, you look at, at the contract and say, all right, maybe in the third year of this contract, we're looking at like a real contender here with a lot of really interesting pieces around and some money to play with. Whereas you look at the Bruins and you're like, all right, maybe the third year of this contract, uh, what you got probably no Patrice Bergeron. You've got aging Brad Marchand. Who knows what they've got on, on defense. And it, it's, uh, it's a lot harder sell. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, e- even if you have that money to play with, you have to convince players to come there. And it's, it's hard to tell people from Boston, maybe players don't want to come play here. Uh, for, what do you mean? for the long term <laughs> and especially the as city they... on Earth. it's original six it's a great city yeah yeah like, have you also... looked at the media and <laughs> like people talk about toronto media i'm sorry if i was a professional athlete in boston 
I wouldn't be able to listen to it. I wouldn't I wouldn't acknowledge it. Honestly, of the original six media markets, I think like Detroit is the only one that you could deal with and and not go crazy. Happily. Just yeah. Honestly though, Detroit player. might be might only be a thing you can deal with because they've been in a rebuild for yeah so long that I was gonna say they do call themselves hockey town when they're doing yeah, well. So. yeah. <laughs> once once that shit fires up like that that's yeah. gonna be but pretty I feel insufferable like too there wasn't even a lot of like criticism i mean i could have totally missed it because i don't really follow detroit media when bertuzzi was like yeah no i'm not getting vaccinated even though it's gonna cost my team wins yeah, I don't potential wins. I, I don't have a lot. I think I have one person from same Detroit that I follow. I think based Not on expectations, most of the Detroit media has just been like, "Okay, so we might lose like nine more games than we expected to already lose." <laughs> like, yeah. what, what's <laughs> okay, the difference? That's there? Fair. Yeah. Now, now, granted, the Red points. Wings are actually ahead of the Bruins in the standings currently, and well, there's there's that. But I, I also uh, want to throw this out, quote unquote, ahead. Of, yeah, <laughs> in terms of uh, just. The, the Linus Allmark vitriol that we've seen on Twitter because people are starting to acknowledge like, oh, it turns out Tuka Rask was elite after all. Who would have thought? Yeah, and let's take it out on the other Scandinavian guy. Yeah. Right. So, so Linus Allmark in his short tenure with Boston currently, he's had three games that have been quality starts. That's a save percentage of 900 or above. Shouts Andrew Ray Croft for informing the Nesson audience the other night during the pregame shootout if you watched. And, uh, and that's not to say that Allmark has lost every game that's been a non-quality start because he's won at least once when he's has save percentage under 900. And it's worth pointing out that every time that he's had a non-quality start, with the exception of the 5-2 loss to Toronto, which had 35 shots against, the rest of them have been under 30 shots against. So he's not getting tested. He can't get a rhythm going. And as a result of some of the decisions made elsewhere on the roster, you know, but you can't exactly entirely fault him alone from an overall standpoint. Now, you might look at the mechanics of the game. And you might say, yeah, this is where you can work to improve and do this better. That's a job for Bob Asensa. Yeah, I was going to say, on the other coach. hand, Swayman no. Sunday night was just his second sub quality start. Like he's only had two non quality starts out of the what? He's played eight games now, which is. Or, or maybe nine. I don't know. He's he looked fine. Being, he passed the eye test. It's not his fault. There's that, and it's also highly unrealistic to expect your goaltender to be nine out of ten in exactly the same amount of games. Like there, there's going to be a bad game, whether yeah. or not you consider last night, Sunday night, to be a bad game. That's that's up for the debate. And it's unlikely to be too drastic. It's yeah, unfair. You're not going to you're not going to go out there and get Connor Hellebuck, Andre Vasilevsky, and Tuka Rask in your baby goaltender. Yeah. Unless you like, turn the salary cap off. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, you unless know. you break the system. But let's try not to do that. Yeah. Which we I know just, Toronto think... talks about all the time. If we just think, had uh, no salary cap, would be good. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, how about the last since 1967? Well, also, that that how's that working for the Yankees? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's right, Yankees Cam. That's right. For me, but, uh, yeah, that's also. Come on, Kaylee, come back. We miss you. Um, uh, shouts to Kaylee. She's still sick. Get get well soon. Yeah. Um, to wrap it up, give it some more time. Um, you know, it's 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 ridiculous to to judge 
really any of these three goalies right now at this point in the season. Right. Um, and, and consider, you know, this is yeah, we're, we're talking a lot of what ifs because that's what we do on a podcast, but consider the situation where the Bruins theoretically did stick with Dan Vladar and Jeremy Swayman, which their hands were tied. It's not a realistic situation. If they had done that and imagine things weren't going well for them right now, we would think about what that conversation would be like if they were like, we took two, we could have spent that 20 million on somebody like Linus Olmark or, you know, or whoever that conversation I think would be so much more volatile and, and, and much more damning on Bruins management. If they had opted to go with two young goalies with this core still intact. And imagine if we were wasting the end of the Bergeron core on two young goalies and they didn't perform well. Boy, is you would essentially be telling Patrice Bergeron, hey, you know what? At the end of the season, you can just leave if like, you want. And Don Sweeney would have to no fire one would himself. Be prepared for that. <laughs> it would be bizarre. So the Bruins' hands were tied. You can't keep two young goalies like that that are honestly both look that good. You have to make a decision at some point. Like Chris said, I think at the time, the third-round pick was pretty – not many people were like, Oh, the Bruins only got a third round pick for Dan Vladar. You know what I mean? It, he had he had a good game. He's had a good start to the season. That could be a completely different story a month from now. Maybe it's not. I hope he does well. You know what I mean? He seems like a good dude. Yeah, I like that but guy. Could totally be a different story in a couple weeks, couple months. Even if it's not, again, you have to consider that flip side. And 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 there's no guarantee that Vladar would be playing this well, of course, in Boston, which I don't think needs to be said, but. Maybe for somebody no, out defense there. defense is better. <laughs> the point is the Bruins made a pretty calculated gamble based on a lot of what Lancey said of, all right, you have two similar goalies. Vladar is maybe a little bit more convoluted. We're not sure. Swayman, younger, showing similar numbers. Even if he does have those hiccups, he's got some more time to develop. Pretty good calculated risk. End of the story. See how it goes, but way too early to judge on either of those. Now, I, do I know have, there's another check you want to check on your checklist. Of, we do. Uh, we do. But first, topics, right? I, you know we're going to get to there in just a second. But first, I just want to talk real quick about DraftKings because the Bruins, Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The NHL season is underway at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. I don't know why they don't say the official sports betting partner of the NHL because that makes more sense. But anyway, they have an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right. Deep breath. <sighs> Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Win over $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Straight to spicy. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Go 1-800 gambler. That might have been my best yet. Is that Slim Shady? That, I know. That was Kendrick Lamar. What are you talking about? Ah, Kendrick, even better. Um, let's now, what I did, ladies and gentlemen, it's called, <laughs> called a tease in the industry. Because you might yes. be, if you've been under a rock, you might be thinking, oh, they're going to talk to David Krejci. He's magically going to come back out of nowhere. Uh, no, he's under contract in the Czech Republic for a reason. So he's, he's not coming back. But 
what we want to talk about is if you're American, Jacob Zaboral and, uh, you know, just his play as, uh, as a whole this year and how it's looked a lot better than last season. As at least myself, I expected, um, given that maybe they threw him to the fire a bit too soon last season. If you want, I think he's a genius because he deleted all of his social media. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's so smart. I I truly admire anyone who can do that because I wouldn't be able to do any of my jobs without social media. So, um, you know, obviously mental health is very important. And, you know, I think it's one thing to like see criticism about yourself. Like I'm sure we've all gotten those people in our mentions about, you know, an episode of the pod or an article or whatever. Wait, hold on. On that note, I think my, my Twitter header is my favorite all time of those. Oh God. Another well thought out informative response from a two bit hockey podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Some good stuff. That's great. What exactly does that mean? No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. I don't even remember <laughs> what it was it. that we were inquiring minds want to know. But uh, it it was something very reasonable. Uh, that I, did I you just I, tweet like Tukaraski's elite, and the person just freaked out because probably it, it wasn't about Tuka. It was about somebody else. Oh, so David Krejci then? Because it might it might have been Krejci. It might have been like Krejci's really good. <laughs> it probably was, or like. Too good didn't actually play bad. It was other factors that contributed to a I, I think the dude like came into my mentions talking about plus minus, and I was like, oh. I was like, if you're gonna cite plus minus, so I don't really know how to talk to you. And I think that's plus when minus. he came back with <laughs> another well thought out opinion. It, it shouldn't um, be sorry, Jess. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 it's okay. Uh, please continue. It has a time and place, very limited. I just think, like, I don't know. I watched him play in providence for a while and i thought that he he was pushed out too soon it's kind of not everyone is ready to make the jump at the same time as everyone else in not even necessarily in their draft class but like who is down in the farm system with them and it's not fair to like be like well trent frederick moved up okay that's good for him. He was ready. There was a spot open for him. And was he? No, he wasn't. I have a hot but... take on Trent Frederick. If I okay, can, let's hear it. If I am allowed to squeeze yeah. this in here. Uh, yes, interrupt Anton Bleed has won his job. Yep. It's it's going to be difficult for Frederick to that's come what, back from an injury. To that's what I meant line. to say. I was going to say that he had a very strong final shift last night. And he was he was willing to throw his body... In fr- I was going to say in front of a train, but that is a horrible metaphor. Um, please don't do that. But like, you know, in front of, they don't um, really Just have- Just the film Inception. <sighs> You're waiting for a you train. Know. A train that will take you. But he was it's willing to put it all up. on the line. And I, he had really big hits. And I also didn't realize that he's like bald. Yeah, and I think he just I, keeps it like wicked short. Yeah, he has left. Yeah, but that's wicked fucking short. <laughs> and wicked short, kid. I just remember when he first came up, and this is like completely off track, but 
when he first came up and his season was like derailed because he like broke a rib or so not or he had broke his arm and had to have was surgery. That hand, right? Probably some or... kind of limb or extremity. Yeah, something that required surgery and I was worried that that was going to like set him back and like there wasn't going to be a spot for him and well, you know what? Sometimes Late it's bloomer. Yeah. You know, we just make room for uh, people when it's necessary and also, um, Chris Wagner, is he ever going to see time in Boston ever again? Uh, no, probably not. Okay. No, and probably no. for good reason. He's, uh, we, we, we enjoy the human being, Chris Wagner, but he's, player, Chris he's Wagner. really nice. Long, dude. I think first year of his contract, he played pretty well as a fourth liner, but I, I, we, we've discussed before. I think even in the last few years, the NHL has been evolving kind of past that type of player and, mm-hmm. you know, but, Fourth line grinder is still a thing, but I think I'd rather have guys like Carson Kuhlman in the lineup. Um, and as far as Anton Bleed goes, like I think he skews more toward that type of player. And I'd probably disagree and say that I think Trent Frederick is probably more the type of guy you want. I, I think of like fourth line type of player on a Gerard Gallant coach team, with the exception of Ryan Reeves, because I mean, both in Vegas and now with the New York Rangers, he exists. And, and you can get away with that because sometimes a team can have a, a Reeves or a Tom Wilson, et cetera. But when you think of a guy who has a connection with Gerard Gallant on the fourth line, currently in Boston, Tomas Nosek. Yeah. Being the Vegas. exact type of player that you want. Bleed has adapted to kind of that sort of role on the wing, which is pretty good. Shout out the nosebleed. Um, I really, I really want to like spend an entire podcast talking about Anton Bleed just so we can name it. If it bleeds, it leaves. <laughs> Nose bleeds in general. Uh, are, are we, are we still on uh, Zaboral? <laughs> I don't know. I was oh, gonna yeah. say go back uh, to Zaboral. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think we we talked about Zaboral in the last episode or, or two, but I, I do want to like bleed I do want to plant my flag on like I I was first on Zaboral Mountain. Uh, I. I think just in terms of eye test i like what he brought to the what he brought to the game when he when he first jumped into the lineup um you know it, it wasn't always perfect he was pretty uh, accident prone um and but i i did think he had he had some of those qualities where it's like uh, you can tell this guy has like an interesting eye for the game uh, yes. Where he he has that patience, he has kind of poise with the puck, and yeah, he'll make mistakes trying to make kind of what he considers to be the perfect play. But I think those are things that, and and that kind of goes with what you were saying, Jess, is that like some players kind of tend to age differently, and and I think the type of guy who does that is someone who maybe needs to f- figure it out at each level differently because. He clearly didn't have it figured out at the AHL level for a while. And then he started to kind of get it. And those offensive numbers started kind of peeking in. And then when he jumped to the NHL level, he definitely just had no idea what was going on and was, you know, getting a lot of his passes intercepted. Um, But I I always appreciate somebody who kind of has this vision where, you know, this guy's not trying to skate up and down the ice at full speed. Like a guy like Brandon Carlo, who doesn't really have speed as part of his game, but still tries to kind of 
push the pace a little bit. I think a guy like Zoboral's gone shut down. Yeah, I think a guy like Zaboral, um, who has that kind of patience, and I, I hate like I'm not going to compare him to David Krejci because that's fucking stupid. But I mean, a guy <laughs> In the like two way sense. A, a guy like David Krejci who knows he doesn't have the speed to play the game and had developed this kind of different way of seeing the game and kind of, and, and obviously a lot of that's innate, so you can't really teach that. But I think Zaboral possesses some of that to a degree and you have to, a player like that has to be in the system, get consistent playing time figure out how he plays with his teammates in order to kind of develop that level of, uh, you know, puck moving ability. Cause he's not going to be a guy who, I mean, he, he definitely did a, a fair amount of putting the puck on the net, but I, mean, I don't see him as a sniper or anything, <laughs> but yeah, certainly not. I, I do think that he, he's, he's playing really well defensively right now. And I think he's developing an offensive game mm-hmm. and I think he needs to be in the lineup consistently. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I, I know you're going to hate what I'm about to say, partially, but I don't want to step it. too much on your toes and and what you just said because step I'd be all over ourselves. my toes, Lancey. So plus minus time and place for it, right? In Providence, in his first 68 games in 2017-18, he had a plus 12 rating, four 15-19 totals. All right, that's that's decent for a guy that's in his first professional season coming out of major juniors. Fine, let's see what happens. 2018 19, 415 19 totals again, 56 games played, might have been injured, plus three. All right, not not exactly where you'd like to see constant improvement. Consistent, but not, you know, in terms of plus minus where you might want to see it as a defender. 2018, sorry, 2019 20, 58 games played, 316 19 totals. So his scoring has stayed the same, which is honestly fine. You're a defender, your first thought should be keeping the puck away from your own net and not so much scoring on the net at the other end of the ice. He was a plus 20, which was when he had, in fact, completely kind of changed his game. He had taken it from one level of, hey, I got drafted in the first round. Let's not take anything for granted. But at the same time, like I'm a first round talent, so I should be able to get there in two or three years, right? To wait a minute, let's take a step back here and think about personal development and growth. And in between that, he had two games at the NHL level in 2018-19 where he had one shot on goal and didn't really do much of anything else. But it was it was a necessity because a ton of guys were injured. He made his debut, what, against the Dallas Stars at American Airlines Center. So he he had this realization of, I can get to that next level if I do X, Y, and Z differently. And he did just that. And at that point, it became the sort of thing where, if you remember to back in the days of Johnny Boychuk's early days with the Bruins, since he got traded, since he was acquired from the Colorado Avalanche, or Adam McQuaid's early days with the Bruins after being acquired from the Columbus Blue Jackets, they kind of gave those guys about a quarter of the season. They worked them in, they beat the seventh defender, learn the system, but mostly do your learning from the press box. Watch how the, the play is developed. Watch where the right guys go at the right times and look at what mistakes are made and how to not make those. So you'd think like 20 games is perfectly fine last season. Well, they didn't really sign anyone and you can still have that discussion of whether or not they should have brought back Sedano Char or anything that you want to discuss in regards to 
they have too many young guys on the blue line and, you know, like figure it out. And then they had a ton of injuries too. So instead of playing 20, 21 games, Zaboral ended up playing 42 games last year. He had nine assists, nine assists in 42 games. Don't get me wrong. As a defender, that's, that's fine for a guy that's on the bottom pairing. That's figuring things out in his quote first full season, but he was an even rating. And if you're even after two games, that's fine. But even after 42 games as a defender, you'd hope that maybe you'd have a little more of an impact in terms of being on the ice when your team scores a goal as opposed to being on the ice when your team gives up a goal. Because if you're a defender and your team gave up a goal, that means you aren't really doing your job. And Zaboral went through these rough stints where you could clearly see that he'd do something wrong. And instead of what German Lausanne would do last season where if he made a mistake, he fought harder to just play the rest of the game the right way. So Borl kind of got caught overthinking things. And at times it led to foolish penalties. He ended up with 18 penalty minutes in 42 games. Again, not terrible, but also it doesn't help your team in certain situations when you're in the box and you're a player short. Now, Lausanne in Seattle, different story nowadays. Zaboral, in terms of the guy that should be a little bit better than how he had been in five games this season. It, it was a great thing to kind of hit the reset and say, you're not on the starting opening night roster in five games this season. Since coming in, he's been productive. He's got two assists, even rating, but Hey, it's only five games. So that's fine. No penalty minutes, six shots on goal. He had 35 all last season this year. He's not as focused on trying to, make the offense himself as he is on trying to make the right play and thinking ahead like David Krejci would as a forward. If he can't beat the player with speed, he'd think two or three plays ahead. How can I make a pass that will make another pass or make a pass that will lead to a shot on goal. And so he's been more effective in getting out of the zone in that regard. And that's what we saw in the last year of Providence that we're starting to see this year so far with Boston. And if we see more of that, then he'll be just fine as a defender. I don't know if he'll ever be top two defender, but he'll be in the top four for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think so, uh, but, but before you go ahead, Cam, I'm just going to be real yeah. quick. I, I pulled up Zaboral's Evolving Hockey page just to see what the underlying numbers look like. And obviously the the small sample size uh, asterisk uh, goes along here. Um, if, if you've ever been, been on Evolving Hockey, you know, if you're looking at the RAPM charts, uh, you want to see purple. He's all purple. Some goals four Ooh. per 60. One standard deviation above average. His expected goals four per 60 is like two and a half standard deviations above average. And then everything else is in the like half to one. He's been really good possession wise. He's been pretty good defensively. And that's pretty much all you can ask for. Yeah, I think uh, – thank you for filling that gap because one of my caveats was going to be I would like to see some of the fancy stats because I haven't seen that. you know, And obviously that's not everything, but it is important. Uh, nice lock screen. <laughs> here you go, Cam. This is what it looks like. Nice, all purple. We love that. And yep. a lot of purple. And one of them. Yep. The, the, um, big, the big purple is the elite expected goals for per 60. We love that. Um, we really yeah, love and that. That's, you know, and and that's, like, again, that's where he his best game, as Lancey was saying, he is – somebody who can move the puck up the ice pretty well and, you know, not quite at the level of a McAvoy or a Grizzly or a, or not a Riley, Riley at this point. But, you know. but 
yeah, exactly. But we're getting there, and slowly and steady is is a is a you know it's a fair thing. I think, like kind of Lancey and and Chris both said, I think he is somebody who has pretty good hockey sense, and he recognizes when there's a very good play to be made. And I think, as somebody who was jumping up to those levels, like Lancey was saying that can be a big adjustment because those plays that look like they're there and were there for you at that lower level suddenly aren't there or are taken away very, very quickly. So when you go to make that play, that would be perfect. Somebody comes in, picks it off and all of a sudden, Oh shit, I'm the last line of defense. And I just tried to drive one across and all of a sudden there's nothing there. You're a little bit fucked. But the thing that I've started to notice, I think maybe uh, some other people obviously are, are picking up on is that, a, sometimes he can make that play, and he's recognizing when it's okay and smart to make that play. But equally, if not more important, he's recognizing when that play is not there. And rather than just straight bailing out, he is doing what Lancey is, was kind of alluding to, which is, okay, my plan A wasn't there. What is a safe, first and foremost, and hopefully more effective plan B that – all right, that pass, cross-ice pass, or, you know, the breakout pass, or, or whatever it may be, isn't there, because and, and I don't want to leave myself exposed. How can I make another play that's going to keep possession for my team, hopefully drive the puck up ice, but, you know, most importantly, not expose me and the back line, whoever your defensive partner is. If we can see more of that out of him, and he can, you know, keep driving in the puck up ice, keeping, you know, obviously you want to win, as many one-on-one battles as you can. That's a huge thing for any defenseman in your own zone, especially, but just kind of recognizing when that really good play is able to be made. And then when you need to bail out and go to plan B and make another safe play is a huge thing. Um, I had one more point with Zaboro, but I'm kind of forgetting what it is to be honest with you. Uh, Oh, that's what it is. We, of course he's going to be known as the first pick in that, dreaded 2015 Bruins draft. Oh, they could have had Matt Barzell and fucking Kyle Connor and whatever. He's 24 years old. All right. Obviously first round picks, you know, not everybody's going to be a McDavid or a McAvoy or something. You know, you want them to be effective at a young age because you need, you need some of them to be quite frankly, if you're going to be a successful franchise, that being said, some, the development process, like we said for the goalies, a little bit of a quicker timeline usually for skaters and for defensemen, but it still applies. Not everybody develops at the same rate. If he can become a regular good, you know, bottom, bottom four contributor for the Bruins over the next two, three seasons, hopefully a top four contributor on the back half of that. If he's a regular consistent NHLer by age 26, 27, the Bruins or whoever can get a solid five, six, seven, eight years out of him. If that's all it is, and he calls it a day. That's a pretty good NHL career. If he if he plays a middle to top four role for six or seven years, that's more than a lot of guys can say at the NHL level. So yeah, Average obviously for, five for, years. You know, for a first round pick, you want ideally they make it in a little quicker. I get Bruins fans being a little frustrated that they had three opportunities and you know whatever. There's guys across the league they could have taken. At the end of the day, it's not too late for him. He's 24 years old. If he yep. can, if he can establish himself in the next couple of years, he's still got that prime that he can work through. So, give him a and little to bit reiterate, more. Reiterate, seeing the positive things right now. Hopefully, he can get, keep building on them. To reiterate, the only reach in 2015 around the time that Boston got up to make their three consecutive picks was Zach Sanderson. He was expected to go 
outside the first round. Jake DeBrusque and Zach Jacobs Borrell were right about where the Bruins took them. And I mean, DeBrusque, you can debate that another day if you want in terms of how effective he's been. He's been a little consistent, but hey, you know, as long as he just settles in around 20 goals, he's fine. So Borrell, being a defender, it takes a little longer to develop, as noted. And, oh, yeah, the NHL draft is one of the strangest things in all of professional sports. The NFL yeah. draft, you pick a player anywhere, and they're on the team immediately the following year. The NHL draft, you pick a player in the top two, and they might be on the team the following year, unless they're a defender. Look at Owen Power with Buffalo this year. Oops, he's with University of Michigan because it turns out they are a super team in the NCAA. Um but if you get picked outside of the top five, if you get picked in the top 10, outside of the top 10, just in the first round in general, you're not guaranteed a spot in the first year, let alone three years. You got to develop. And everyone develops at their own pace and their own rate. And he's coming into his own now, which is perfectly fine. No, he might not be a Zidane Chara in terms of eventual Hockey Hall of Famer, but he's serviceable. Right, like, uh, and and to the the credit of hard workers, no one works harder for their ice time than Connor Clifton, historically speaking, in his entire development. And now, so if Zaboral can get to the level where he plays as a top four defender, this starts to threaten what they do going into next off season. Because now you have a dilemma where you might have Grizzlick as a top four guy, you might have Carlo as a top four guy, but with the wild card of Zaboral coming in, what do you do? You got too many guys and only two roles. And if you legitimately think, think that Clifton Bruins could be six defender, Carlo. I think the Bruins should trade Brandon Carlo. And that is where the fun begins. But that's also that, assuming that everything goes right. It's, it's a conversation for another time. Cause I don't I think say, they I should trade. The fun ends. They, <laughs> they shouldn't my... trade Brandon Carlo right now. Um, no, absolutely I not. I think depending on what's going on at the trade deadline, what you what you think you need in terms of evaluating your team, uh, if the Bruins are in playoff contention and, and they're trying to become a cup contender, Brandon Carlo is the guy you look at and say, this is the guy that the league values higher than the most his actual value. Considering um, his height and everything. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's something to talk about. But yeah. Um, as far as Zaboral goes, I mean, we might have mentioned this on the last episode, but if you're trying out, uh, if you're willing to split up uh, McAvoy and Grizzlick, I would prefer to see Zaboral in that top pairing yeah, than, than four. We saw for like a shift. There like, four goals isn't good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> four goals is... Uh, unsustainable if you uh if you actually saw the four goals he scored he yeah. did fucking rip one of Speaking those of sustainable yeah. stats i just wait till uh jacob squirtle comes out and then we'll be all set <laughs> <laughs> gonna make some uh, really good pokemon memes from that. Make that. Make that. all right this is already gone uh longer than we expected but i think this is a fun one so i like i, I like, well, a, I like with, a longer uh, than expected guys, but um, yeah well, this was this was fun so we'll uh look back later this week um yeah, well, we got we got court coming up. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I like I'm scared to tease people because we've had to have a couple people bail week recently, but uh, we well, should have. Court, no, not on, I'm hoping nothing bad happens between today and tomorrow. Yeah, 
A uh, great friend of the pod, Cortland Lone, scheduled for Friday this week. I've never recorded with him before. He's been which on the is crazy. Twice. Yeah, I have. I have very distinct memories of of recording at the beginning he, of the pandemic have, with our coronas. He, and yeah, he court. he may have been on the podcast three times. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I think he has been actually. I have this in the notes somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Keep um, keep talking. I'll find it. Yeah, <laughs> Court will be on hopefully later this week. A uh, little Bruins, uh, a little bit of Halo Infinite talk. We know Court's a big gamer. A little maybe a little NHL talk. No, we're not gonna NHL we're not gonna touch on the Pride at all. Um, and we will we will definitely be touching on the Pride as well. Um, Court so, has yeah. been on at least three times. I think it's right. three. Yeah, it's been too long. So. Uh, thank you, as Don't always, to Jess and Nick for coming out of the bullpen. Strong believers. If the Red Sox had a bullpen as strong as you guys, they'd still be playing baseball for the Global Galactic Tournament right now, uh, which is the, the Space Jam of, of baseball. It's the, it's the secret Earth tournament that happens Galactic. after the World Series. <laughs> exactly. Um, everybody else, go listen to Locked On Flames. Go listen Don't to Down the Frozen River. And so come back on Friday. Play. Listen to some Bruins and Bruins. Download then. all three of these podcasts and don't listen <laughs> yes. to any of them. Yeah, that's that's all I tell people. You don't have to listen to them. Just download them. Chris, my is not a shot as well. My co-host. Everybody else, go get Just your Bruce shots. Davis. Just the other cam. We'll have him on sometime. Yeah, you should. You absolutely. I'm should. probably the other cam though. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> go get your boosters and uh, drink. Wear your mask. See you next time, y'all.